Hey folks, on this week's XJ Talk Show, we hear about another round of recalls for the automotive industry, and unfortunately, Jeep didn't dodge the bullet on this one. Nikki G calls into the show, we tell you how to get in on the NoCo Genius Boost giveaway, and Steve gives us another look into the past with Jeep Archives. John shares how ham radio can save lives on this week's Radio Comtech, and Tony gives us an update on his engine swap. Josh shares with us his project of a homemade sunroof control module for his 99 Cherokee on the next XG Talk Show. The XJ Talk Show is for entertainment purposes only. Any advice or information provided on this show should be verified by alternative sources prior to making any changes or modifications to your vehicle. We are not experts, just people that enjoy the Jeep hobby and don't mind talking endlessly about it. P.S. We love you. Hey, stud. It's time for the XJ Talk Show. Now, here's my two favorite boys. Tony and Josh. <laughs> that was perfect synchronization waving. Flash week in G. Recall, recall, recall. <laughs> Baby, you make me wish I had three hands. Is anyone else feeling like this is deja vu? Chrysler Group announced two recalls today that the effect that affects more than a half a million vehicles. This recall affects 381,876 Ram trucks equipped with a 6.7 liter Cummins diesel engine globally. Upgrade wiring harnesses, uh, wiring harness terminals, and replace their fuel heater housings if needed. Citing an investigation of two incidents, Chrysler said in news release that a terminal connector near the fuel heater may be subject to friction-induced corrosion which could lead to overheating and potential fuel leakage. See, people? I keep telling you guys, if you keep rubbing your terminals without some kind of lubrication, you're either going to go blind or catch fire. The recall covers certain 2010 and 2014 Ram 2500 and 3500 pickups and 4500 and 5500 chassis cabs. An estimated 314,704 are in the U.S. alone, just under 60,000 are in Canada, and just under two grand in Mexico, and almost six grand are outside the North America. And if this ante up to the global record number of recalls this year, uh, you know, is not enough for you, well, Jeep throws their chips on the table once again, too. Jeep is recalling an estimated 184,186 2014 Dodge Durango and Jeep Grand Cherokees to update their vehicle's electronic stability control software. Because God forbid you have the wherewithal or basic driving skills to keep your vehicle stable as it goes down the road. Maybe it makes you wonder what's really going on behind the wheel on some of these rigs. A debris cover protecting a certain circuit board may inadvertently disrupt a communication line and disable electronic stability control, Chrysler said. The software upgrade restores proper communication and preserves ESC function. The campaign covers an estimated 132,223 that are in the U.S., uh, just under 10 grand in Canada, about 5 grand in Mexico, and well, 38,000 some odd are outside of the North America. Chrysler said it's unaware of any related injuries or accidents. So let me get this straight. They're going to reprogram some software in a vehicle, and this adjustment in code is going to somehow alter how a debris cover performs? Right. I, I think I'm just going to head down to the dealership here this week and ask some questions, because to me, that sounds a little bit fishy. 
Omex 80A giving away fully built 2014 Jeep Wrangler at SEMA this year. The 2014 Specialty Equipment Market Association, or SEMA show, is quite literally just around the corner. And this year, Omex 80A is giving away a fully loaded 2014 Jeep Wrangler. JK, outfitted with uh, plenty of rugged ridge goodies to make it, capable, uh, make it a capable wheeling rig and a daily driver, too. The, re- the JK will be at the Off-Road Success Center booth number 34,000 at the 2014 SEMA show in Las Vegas on November 6th. That is just around the corner. Visitors at the SEMA show will have a chance to win and drive away in this brand new, fully equipped Anvil Blue 2014 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited Rubicon as part of the company's participation in this year's show. 40 semifinalists will be selected over the course of three days, November 4th, 6th, November 4th through the 6th, basically, leading up to the giveaway for the chance to try and start the Jeep using a temporary key they received after entering the contest. That means you guys can enter the contest as long as you're in Vegas between November 4th and 6th. It's kind of like picking up Thor's hammer or pulling Excalibur out of a stone, except the lucky winner will get to drive away in this awesome Jeep. The winning Jeep will be outfitted with Rugged Ridge's new Summit restyling package, which includes the company's XHD modular bumper, grill inserts, and upgraded rear tire carrier, making it not only look good, but also ready to take on any off-road excursion. In addition to the Jeep giveaway at the Off-Road Success Center and uh, the Omex ADA, will host several civilian Jeeps that are part of the company's extensive collection of Jeeps showcasing the brand's history from pre-World War II prototypes, that's right, I said prototypes, through the modern-day JK Wrangler. The Off-Road Success Center will also exhibit a custom 2015 four-door Jeep Wrangler built for SEMA. A committee that, built by SEMA Cares, I'm sorry, a committee dedicated to supporting the education of students pursuing careers in the automotive aftermarket. Pretty cool, if you ask me. The SEMA Cares Jeep is designed to raise awareness about the committee's charitable efforts as it tours the United States. It'll be outfitted with one of Omex ADA's exclusive Rugged Ridge styling, restyling packages and later auctioned as part of SEMA Cares fundraising efforts in 2015. If you guys would like more information about the giveaway and, of course, SEMA, head over to omixada.com and just look for the SEMA Jeep tab, and uh, you guys can head over there and find out all the good information. Hey, if you'd like to submit a story to be aired on This Week in Jeep, or if you have a response to any one of our stories, please give a call or send an email to newstips at xjtalkshow.com. xjtalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to xjtalk.com when you're off-road, too. Using your smartphone, install the Tap a Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. Halloween is almost here, boys and girls. An XJ Talk Show has something special in store for you. Join us Thursday for a special spooky treat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! I mean, totally out of place. Uh, yeah, that guys, that was done on purpose, by the way. No, don't tell them that. <laughs> hey, this is Tim from Jeep Tubes, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. <laughs> God, that was funny. 
Now for some little YouTube love. It's like a YouTube of love. It just uh, sounds like yeah. something you'd buy on Amazon. You bought what? <laughs> well, I'll just make sure you squeeze from the bottom. Yes. Every week, guys, we said. pull a few out of the list. Well, <laughs> every week we pull a few out of the list, four to be exact, and it's in no particular order. Uh, we just like to spread some love, pay some homage, and give a little shout out to those who have subscribed to our YouTube channel. And we do this every single week. Uh, we have well over 600 subscribers, and we're knocking on the door of 200,000 views, guys. So keep up the good work. Told you last week that we're going to have our mouths full with the uh, with the <laughs> name selection this week. And uh, first on the list, Edmundo uh, Edmundo Villa Villa Vazo. Yes, Vazo. I'm sorry, I thought you were done. <laughs> Dylan M Production. Oh, you got an easy one, Paul Paul Della Rocco. And Stephen Volsang. I know that guy. He's French. <laughs> Thank you guys for the subscriptions. Stephen, Make sorry, sure you tell Stephen. a friend and keep it up. <laughs> YouTube.com slash XJ Talk. Be there or be square. Like 191,000 views. Outstanding. I'm tired of knocking on that damn door. You guys get over there and <laughs> watch some YouTubes. Start slacking off at work already. We got some <laughs> YouTube <Yes>. to do. <laughs> Slack more off with us. All well, right, us guys, we are just a couple of knuckleheads. As this you can is tell, exactly you watch, this is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> this show is exactly what I'm talking watch, about. <laughs> ever watch the live show? You know what we're talking about here. Uh, you know, misproduction. We we uh, we miscues. Tony and I uh, try and do everything we can, but sometimes things just don't quite line up. All basically to tell you guys that we're no professionals here. We're just a couple of guys, a couple of knuckleheads. With a couple of microphones and a uh, love for some Jeeps. And so we decided to talk about it endlessly sometimes. And uh, so begins the podcast, as it were. So, um, you know, speaking of knuckleheads, I think we've got a voicemail to share with you guys tonight. Oh, poor Nikki G. Hey, this is Tony. And this is Josh from the XJ Talk Show. We want to thank you for calling our 24-7 voice line. Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the beep. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I'll say thanks for playing in the mind of Nikki G. uh, I'm really starting to understand myself better now. (laughs) Uh, I want to thank uh, Steve for his uh, cheap tips on uh, airing down your tires. Um. Sad to say, I'm one of those guys that uses my fingernails. And uh, I was out with some friends. They didn't have anything to air down their tires with, so I loaned them my fingernails. And uh, they haven't returned them yet. So I tried to use a stick. When I went into the auto parts store to buy one, they uh, threw me out again. So I found the fastest way to air your tires down is just take a screwdriver, and just poke a bunch of holes in the side of your tire. And uh, the more holes you put, the faster it airs down. But, uh, I think I need to buy a new compressor so I can't get my tires to air back up. All right, gentlemen, I will uh, chat you later. You guys have a good one. Bye. Well, the trick is you just have to have enough screwdrivers to plug the holes before you oh. before you air back up. <laughs> I was going to say, those are called run-flat tires because you can still run, just those tires will be flat. That's right. You know, I don't know why the uh, why the, the the plastic hub with the rubber band tread. You know, what I'm talking about the military was actually looking at those and oh, some yeah. Humvees. I'm really surprised yeah. those things haven't come out yet. I mean, 
it ain't it ain't a pretty wheel but talk about i mean it, there's no air except what's you know just there at normal air pressure uh in between the little uh veins of the uh, plastic wheel and, uh, and man why well, can't i can't think of a better off-road uh tire as far as no, uh, no puncture no you don't have to worry about anything except maybe the rubber band coming off well, that and and if you've ever seen like any videos of the prototypes or, or pictures of them, you, you see that they completely conform 100 percent to uh, to the terrain. So you got a big jagged rock instead of you know puncturing the tire or something, it just kind of folds around it. These things would be fantastic rock crawling setups, you know, for a rock crawler rather. Yeah, it, they've been. Uh, I think they've been around for at least 15 years, and I'm really surprised they're not they're not out commercially yet. Uh, it, maybe it has something to do with the. Uh, the plastic that uh, the wear and tear on the plastic. Yeah, I'm not sure. The, you know, the Department of Transportation uh, won't uh, won't sign off on them saying, "Well, you know, in a collision or something, the plastic can become a projectile and you might poke your eye out." Yeah, and gas explodes. So, mm. uh, well, let's get to our uh, let's get on something a little more pleasant about uh, getting ourselves out of uh, sticky situations when we have a dead battery. How powerful is the Noco Genius Boost Lithium Jump Starter? We removed the battery from the 6-liter V8 engine and hooked boost directly to the battery case. 400 amps of pure starting power packed into an ultra-safe, mistake-proof lithium jump starter. NOCO Genius Boost. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Oh, looky there. That slick bastard actually has one. <laughs> yes i do guys I'm, I'm holding this up to the camera right now just another reason you guys got to tune into the live show i'm holding up one of the genius boost chargers right now this thing is absolutely 100 percent fully charged hooked it up to my computer and right there status indicator tells me this thing is juiced up ready to go this thing will hold that charge for a year and during that year it can use that charge to jump start 20 different vehicles or the same vehicle 20 times if you uh, so need to uh, you can even do it without the battery in the car, and I'm going to prove that here very soon. Doing my putting together some videos together as we speak, and uh, well, I'm going to demonstrate to you guys just how rugged this thing is, and also just how capable it is as well. So we're going to be giving uh, some of these away here in the very near future. In fact, uh, you guys are going to have to tune in next week during the Amazon You Bought What segment. And uh, you, we're going to announce who is going to pick one of these up for themselves, 100% free. Our first giveaway, uh, one of the Genius Boost chargers, uh, or jump starters, rather, uh, from NOCO. And uh, we're going to be giving one away, and you guys can get your hands on one. Tony, how can they get into the uh, sweepstakes, as it were, into the running for one of these Genius Boost chargers? Well, I thought chargers. I'd mention really quick that that doesn't just uh, jump start your, your vehicle, your Jeep, uh, it also can charge your cell phone. It, it acts as a flashlight, and uh, it has. Uh, oh yeah, everybody, cover your. Oh, that's the U- USBs. I thought he was going to turn the flashlight on. I was going to divert my eyes because the the LEDs are so damn bright. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is that is a very bright light. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's an all around handy thing to have, and uh, you know you're going to need two of them because if you've got a significant other, yeah, there's also disco. Uh, Josh is now flashing the uh, the LEDs. Uh, great emergency thing to stick in the back of uh, the the vehicle if you have a place to, to sit it, like in your Cherokee, might, might be below the door, you wouldn't be able to see. But anyway, um, you're going to want to have two of these things because you know that your significant other, you're going to want her to have one because uh, you can't hook this thing up backwards. Uh, it even has a flashlight on it so you can see where you're hooking it to the ba- battery. 
It has a polarity uh, sensing circuit, and it will tell you if it's hooked up backwards so you don't have to worry about a nasty fire. Uh, it'll just, uh, anybody will be able to use this thing. And uh, it's so small that it'll fit in uh, an oversized pocket. Like we said, we like to say a clown pocket. You know, one of the ones, ones where they, they pull these uh, insanely large items out of. Uh, just a slightly larger pocket. Yeah, there we go. Up next to the cell phone, yeah. you can see that it's it's not much bigger than that Galaxy S5. The 5, right? Yeah, it is the Galaxy S5. And uh, about maybe four times as thick and maybe only about one and maybe 10% bigger. Uh, as far as length and width goes, uh, than the Galaxy S5. comes with a USB cable, means you can plug it into your computer, means you can plug your phone into it if you so need to. Also comes with a cigarette lighter USB adapter as well. So uh, no matter where you are, you can charge this thing up uh, and uh, and have it ready to go. So Genius Boost by NoCo. Guys, get yours. Head over to xjtalk.com right now. Uh, xjtalk.com slash NoCo is uh, the link that you want to use. And that'll take you over to the thread uh, where you have to enter in your worst, favorite, best, whatever you got yeah. story about how you were left stranded with a dead battery. Maybe it's a jump starting a, you know, grandma's vehicle on the side of the freeway one winter night. Uh, maybe you were left stranded and stuck in some bad situation, a bad neighborhood or something like that. We want to hear it. We're going to pick the best story. And that winner is going to get themselves genius boost charger yep. absolutely and we're going to be uh we're, we've got this uh, the the genius boost tied with our amazon you bought what segment so every other week when we do the amazon you bought what we're going to be giving away one of these until uh noco no comes to their senses and says please stop we we're running out of these things because you're giving too many away <laughs> so, you know and i i, I got to make a correction here guys i keep calling these things a charger and and they don't actually charge anything um, well, and so they I can charge a perfect. cell phone. Well, they will charge. Yeah, I guess you, you. That's right. They will charge a cell phone. But really, these things are primarily a jump starter. Yeah, a um, jump box. And they will jump start a six liter diesel engine without a battery in it. Uh, and uh, well, these things are basically will get you out of just about any situation, guys. You need to have one of these. You can win one. And uh, tune in next week to see if you are the lucky winner. Yeah, Josh was mentioning about uh, going over and making a post on xgtalk.com. Uh, again, that's uh, xgtalk.com slash noco, N-O-C-O. And uh, we have a, a, a little example from uh, show contributor, uh, pre-runner1982, John. Uh, this was his story, and this doesn't mean that he's won or he won't win. We just want to give you an example of a, uh, an interesting, colorful story, but any story that we like uh, can win. It was a dark and stormy night. I was deep in the jungle. There was gunfire in the distance and wild animals all around. And the Jeep wouldn't start. I'm either going to get killed or eaten alive. I was in the shit. No, really. I stepped in shit searching for the jumper cables and wouldn't, <laughs> have, to, <laughs> wouldn't have to look for them if I had a no-co booster in the glove box. <laughs> no-co booster keeps you out of the shit. Something tells me I don't think NoCo is going to sign off on that tagline. But, uh, yeah, guys, you, if you, you'd have one of these things, you could have used the flashlight uh, feature on this thing to uh, get yourself, uh, well, uh, missing. Find that a clear path to the front of the Jeep to yes. hook it up. <laughs> exactly. And he's in the jungle, so that had to be in some massive shit that he stepped in. Really? You know, it could have been a pile of elephant dung or something like that. Guys, uh, just to kind of show you, uh, all you got to do is you need a membership 
over there. The membership's right. absolutely free. XJTalk.com slash NoCo. Get your story in. It can be creative. Doesn't have to be true. Yeah. Doesn't have to be true. Doesn't have to be creative. Just has to be interesting to Josh and I because we're going to pick it and uh, we'll let you know. We'll be announcing on the show who the winner is next week and then every right. other week until NoCo says we ain't sending out anymore. Stop it. That's right. Well, and speaking of uh, show contributor, uh, John Prerunner 1982, we've got a radio com tech to share with you guys from him about ham radio saving lives. Let's take a little pause. I I, I did want to put in uh, about the Amazon you bought what a little oh. a little synopsis of what it is. So maybe generate a little more interest in you know them going before next show. So you want to, uh, we'll take a little pause and then you, you want to do your thing about uh, a shortened right. version of the Amazon you bought, what, what it is. All right. And hey, if you guys don't know what Amazon you bought, what is, well, you're going to have to tune in next week. It's a lot of fun. We've got a great relationship set up with Amazon.com. And how this works, guys, is you just head over to xjtalk.com or xjtalkshow.com. You see the Amazon banner right there? You click on that first. It takes you straight to Amazon.com, where you can buy anything majig you want, and well, it's a, we get a little bit of a kickback from it. You're not going to pay a single cent more, not a single penny. But Amazon's agreed to give us a little bit of a kickback from whatever you guys buy. They also give us a list of what you guys are purchasing. We have some fun with that list because you guys throw us some very odd curveballs every now and again, from crotchless panties to bacon salt and even Jeep parts. It all ends up on the list, and it all ends up on the XJ Talk Show. And like Josh was uh, saying earlier, let's get over to our Radio Con Comtech segment, if I can only say it. See, the, the mouth gets out of practice while you're talking, Josh. I just, you know, and then I had some tea, the, the cold. That's what it was. It was the ice. <laughs> and now it's time for some Radio Comtech. Another warrior is on the mesa. This is John, pre-runner 1982, and on today's Radio Comtech segment, we're going to have story time. So everybody gather around and listen closely. July 21st, 2014, beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Bill Eberle, AB0MY, and his wife Mary were hiking in the backcountry when they encountered a team of paramedics rendering aid to a 67-year-old man, Michael Shute of Broomfield, Colorado. He had lost his footing while crossing a stream near the 4th of July campground west of Nederland, Colorado. Shute had struck his head on a boulder and was found unconscious and face down in the water by a good Samaritan who pulled him to safety. The paramedics who had been heading to a youth camp also had stumbled onto the scene. With no cell phone coverage, Eberle put out a distress call on his handheld transceiver he always takes with him when he hikes. Promptly answering his call on a statewide Colorado connection repeater system was Ryan Frederick, KD0TSZ in Colorado Springs. Frederick contacted the Boulder, Colorado Sheriff's Office, and the authorities quickly turned to Scott Whitehead, KA0QPT of Longmont, a Sheriff's Department radio specialist and a 30-year veteran of the Rocky Mountain Rescue Team. Whitehead was able to contact Eberle via the repeater network and the two coordinated equipment and rescue personnel. Crews from Nederland Fire and Rescue and the Rocky Mountain Rescue Team arrived on scene, and Shute was evacuated from from the scene, treated in area hospital, and released. May 4th, 2014. 
Connecticut radio amateur Keith Much, KB1RBI of Torrington, was on Ocean Beach looking out over New London Harbor when he spotted a young girl and her dog in distress in a canoe. The unidentified girl, not wearing a life vest, was attempting to paddle through rough water and increased winds when she got into difficulty. Unable to contact authorities via his cell phone, Much used his handheld transceiver to reach the U.S. Coast Guard, which in turn alerted the nearby passenger ferry to be on the lookout for the girl. In the interim, the canoe capsized. Fortunately, the ferry located the youngster, and the crew tossed her a life ring to cling to until the vessel from the Coast Guard station, New London, arrived to complete her rescue. The dog swam nearly a mile back to land, where coincidentally, Much was able to grab the dog's leash and reunite the dog with the girl and her family. Jim, Jim, sit down. Nikki, Nikki, stop talking. All right, where were we? December 6, 2013, 7 p.m. Cody Fowler and his wife Tina and their two sons, Jacob, N0BMG, and Timmy, were on the way home from Pebble, Colorado. About 46 miles south of US 50 on Copper Gulch Road, Cody noticed the vehicle behind them was no longer in sight. Cody turned around and drove back down the road where he discovered that a rest SUV had slid off into the ditch. Cody could tell there were possibly serious injuries, but no one in the car had a cell phone because the Fowler family had just purchased new ones in Pueblo. None of them were charged or activated and could not call 911. At that point, Cody grabbed his son's ham radio, put out a call telling that he had run across an accident and needed someone to call 911. A man in Alden, K1DDN, stepped in and contacted dispatch. With her cell phone in one hand and ham radio in the other, she kept in touch with both sides to alert them of what was going on. Cody said when he got there, it was about one below, and when he left, it was ten below zero. During the course of the evening, two vehicles stopped to help. Then, 40 minutes later, Colorado State Patrol arrived on scene, followed by Deer Mountain Fire and Rescue and Fremont County Sheriff. The victims would have had to have endured extreme temperatures waiting for emergency services to arrive. Two of the family members were taken to the hospital, and the Fowlers took one of them home. July 2010 Merle Ellison of New Mexico, a member of the Russian Robinson Club, a group of exploration-minded amateur radio operators who go to great lengths to send and receive signals from very remote locations, started having a heart attack on Cherkov Island, about 180 miles southwest of the city of Kodiak. Cherkov Island is only inhabited by animals, so Ellison's life was at stake. His companions, Yuri Sushkin, Yuri Zaruba, and Alexander Kuchnetskov, managed to call for an EMT and float plane by radioing an operator in Siberia. The emergency message then went to Moscow, then California, and on to Alaska. Sushkin said, We never had an emergency like this, and we never had so fast of a response. Ellison was picked up, treated, and taken back to New Mexico. These stories are just examples of uh, where even modern technology fails, and uh, good old ham radio comes through to save the day. And uh, just another example of why it's uh, beneficial to have your ham radio license and uh, know how to use the radio because you never know when you're going to um, come across um, someone who will be in need and that will be the, uh, the only way of getting help. So remember, when all else fails, ham radio. Stories were taken from ARRL.org, Canyon City Daily Record, Alaska Dispatch, and Loudon Times. This is John. Nikki, Nikki, put the glue down. No, Nikki, don't, don't eat the glue. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, great story. And, you know, if you never uh, really thought about, you know, why in the world would I want to do ham radio? Why would I want to go and uh, go for a test and do all this crap? I got a cell phone. 
cell phones are no good especially if you're out there on jerk off island i i, I don't know that this does sounds like to me it sounds like a very slippery place to be josh yeah well you better have a jeep if you're on jerk off island then that way you're not going to run off the road well you got something else to do for the other you know three hours and 58 minutes you're there <laughs> oh I'll leave it to the russians well that's uh that's certainly a, a very creative way of uh, naming an island there um, but uh, nonetheless, I want to thank John Pierre under 1982 for an awesome radio com tech. I also want to give him a big shout out really quickly uh, and thank him for our first story in This Week in Jeep tonight. So, hey, guys, normally uh, we like to, well, plead to you guys to give us some reviews. And uh, instead of doing that, we'd like to share with you guys one of our favorites back from March 27th of this year. We got, uh, well, the title of Best Jeep XJ Talk Show Ever. I like it. I uh, got, got a five-star rating on that. And uh, this one is put in by uh, Woyson. Uh, he says, P.S. I'm American. Um, I'm sure I'm butchering his name. It's probably Woyson or something. Or, or Vase. I have no idea. Anyways. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's by Mustang Cobra. I'd go with that because that's, no, his, that's his screen like name. That yeah, I can uh, read that one. Mustang Cobra. Thank you. Uh, five five star review there from that, and he says the best Jeep talk show out there. I love watching and listening to Tony and Josh give out give out great Jeep tips and tricks. I would recommend and have recommended this show to anyone who enjoys working on wheeling or just driving Jeeps in general. Thanks, guys, and keep it up. Great well, kind we words. Feedback. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we absolutely love the feedback, whether it's uh, positive or constructive criticism, just a pat on the back or saying hello. Uh, help us out, guys. Head over to iTunes and give us that five-star review. Leave us a comment like Mustang Cobra did, and uh, let us know what you guys think of the show. Hey, and one of the reasons why we get five-star reviews, and I think we're up to like 42 comments uh, now there on iTunes, which we really appreciate. But anyway, one of the reasons why we get are from our – because we have such great contributors like what you just heard from John, pre-runner 1982 on xgtalk.com. And uh, this uh, Jeep tip, which is actually a, uh, it's clothed in uh, Jeep archive clothing. And this is uh, taking us back to when Jeeps were new and young, and uh, so was Steve. This is uh, from Steve 4.3, LXJ. <laughs> Under the belt. <laughs> and now for a disclaimer. Jeep tips is for entertainment purposes only. If you choose to follow these tips, man up and take the responsibility for your own actions. If you cannot or you feel that working on Sorry, your Jeep Steve. is beyond your abilities, seek the help or advice of a trained certified mechanic. Don't piss off the help. I don't know. <laughs> Got a tip? We do. It's time for Jeep Tips. Last time on Jeep Archives, we talked about the Jeep station wagon, the forerunner to our beloved Jeep Cherokees, or the Jeep XJ as we might know them. Um, it was a, uh, an innovative thing for its time. And Willys, fresh off of all of the production that they had during World War II, guaranteed pricing, the U.S. government was buying everything they could produce, and now they've got all this money in their pocket, so in 19... 47. Now, this is just a year after they introduced the station wagon. They were still trying to be forward-thinking in their marketing and uh, maintain their niche, or their desired niche, I should say, as a working man's vehicle. They introduced now the Jeep pickup. Now, the Jeep pickup 
came in two uh, basic configurations, two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. And within those, you could get a half-ton and a one-ton. And the one-ton, it would hold a ton. It was pretty stiff in back. Uh, it was not the kind of a vehicle you'd want to take off-roading because uh, the back end would be hopping around everywhere. But uh, it would haul a load. And it was uh, the desire of Willys to try to compete with Dodge. Dodge also fresh off of uh, World War II and selling everything they could make in the way of trucks, had the Dodge Power Wagon, the WM100. And it was a working man's pickup, and uh, it rode like a lumber wagon, and it had power takeoffs that would go to the front and the back, and it was, for all intents and purposes, really a five-quarter ton truck. Uh, they call them ton and a quarters, five quarters, whatever. Um, and it had an eight-foot box on it, which was uncommon for a pickup in that day. Willys chose to use a six-foot box, which was the standard size in a pickup. You could buy a Dodge pickup. You could buy a Ford pickup. Uh, you could buy a GMC pickup and uh, probably a few others that were very minor players in the at the time. They all had rounded fenders. They had a four-foot wide, six-foot long box on the back, and most pickups in this time period came in half-ton only. So Willys decided to up that a little bit, and they would offer one not only in four-wheel drive, but they would also offer one that would haul a ton in that same little four-by-six box. And so to do this, they had a couple of uh, rear ends that were available at, at first. The only one you could get was the uh, Timken 51540. And uh, what this was, uh, everybody knows what Timken is. If you've been in the four-wheel drive arena for very long, everybody starts talking about the Timken deuce and a half axles and all that kind of stuff to put in buggies and and uh, you can see dozens and dozens of YouTube videos with these kind of axles in uh, tube buggies to Jeeps to whatever. But Timken didn't always make this kind of an axle. They, uh, at this time, they were still pretty old school in their axles. And the uh, Timken 51540 was an axle that used, again, tapered axle shafts. Uh, and the uh, thing about these is they were really using Model T technology. Now, if you've ever seen a Model T rear end or a Model A rear end or uh, any of those older ends, they're basically a two-piece housing. They bolt up in the middle. And uh, one piece uh, has the pinion bearings and so forth, and then the other just bolts onto the side of it. And so when you assemble these things, you assemble them from the side not through the back like we would normally do uh, with a Spicer axle, for instance. These were old school. They looked funky. Absolutely no upgrades for them. Uh, they were discontinued in 1950, and they went to the Dana 53. And in the uh, 
uh, half-ton versions, you would get a Dana 44 rear end. Again, we're talking about tapered axles here. They didn't get away from those tapered axles for quite a while. In fact, uh, Jeep was still using tapered axles clear up to 19, or actually through 1971. So, uh, they were very, very slow to abandon this sort of technology, even though they were ahead of the game in some others. Now, the uh, Jeep pickup used the same windshield, dashboard, seats, uh, doors, uh, fenders, hood, and everything as the Jeep station wagon. It's just that it was a single-seat cab, bench seat, and it would have a uh, little 4x6 pickup box on the back of it, and it had a tailgate that said Willys. The uh, other thing about these is they're still using the same kind of running gear that they've been using and everything else. We're talking about the 134 cubic inch Go Devil uh, four-cylinder L-head engine with a T90 transmission, Spicer 18 transfer case, that's if you have the four-wheel drive version, and uh, this is uh, just where their technology was. They were trying to reuse all of the parts they could. Had the same front end as the Jeep station wagon, Dana 25. If you unbolted them and put them side by side, you couldn't tell a difference. So uh, they were conserving their parts. And I want you to notice something here. And this is typical of Jeep for a long time and is still somewhat typical of them even today. And that is that uh, they didn't build a lot of this themselves. They built their own engines, but that was it. They didn't build their transmissions. The T stands for Transmission 190 is a designation that comes from Borg Warner. Borg Warner is a transmission company, uh, among other things that uh, makes made a lot of transmissions in the day, and it was a uh, style that uh, was nothing new. It had a non-synchronous first gear in it, uh, so you had to learn how to double clutch, and otherwise you didn't get it in gear if you were moving. And uh, uh, it uh, really didn't have any advanced technology on it. The uh, transfer case is a Spicer. 18. That's from uh, a company that was Spicer at the time. They later changed the uh, uh, name to Spicer Dana, and then now we just know it as Dana. So uh, they sourced out the transfer case. The front end, Spicer 25, Dana 25. Uh, we use, usually use uh, the word Dana more often now for uh, axles, even if they were called Spicer at the time. Uh, rear end was either a Timken or a Dana, and uh, so they didn't make a lot. All they were making was the frames, the engines, stamping the sheet metal, got some seats, and uh, they made the steering box, and uh, they put it in. Uh, and, and the steering box wasn't anything to write home about. It was kind of sloppy. Uh, if you've ever had a sloppy steering wheel, quote-unquote, um, where you're kind of hurting your vehicle down the road by, by turning the wheel back and forth at least an eighth of a turn, that's the kind of steering box they had. And if you lost your speedometer, these uh, Dana 18, uh, or Spicer 18 transfer cases 
were an offset transfer case. That means that both of the drive shafts came out of the offset and uh, all the power went through an intermediate gear, uh, either in high range or low range. And these intermediate gears had roller bearings in them that were not exactly tight. And uh, when you drove down the road, they'd whine. And you could tell exactly how fast you were going by the transfer case whine. And it's just the way it was. Uh, and they stuck with that design for a long time. In 1950, they had the same design change on the front as the, uh, in the grill as the station wagons. They had the same fenders. They uh, uh, had the same engines that the station wagons had. And they had a run that uh, went clear up to 1965. So that gave them an 18-year run on these pickups. Uh, 1965 is uh, pretty late for a pickup that looks like it should have come out of the 40s. And, but they still sold quite a few of them. They sold 200,000 of these things. And uh, that's still a pretty fair run on pickups. And they had that boxy look that nobody else had. None of the Fords, GMCs. Uh, Dodges had that kind of a look. They all had the rounded fenders clear up into uh, the early 60s. And so it was unique, just like the Jeep station wagon was. And they stuck with it for a long time, and it worked for them. They were not a major player, a major uh, car company, as we would think of the big three car companies today. But they were holding their own, and it was not the cars they started out with, it was the Jeeps that uh, allowed this company to progress and to stay in business. Well, some great info from Steve. Very interesting uh, information from Steve. And uh, boy, who knows what the hell Josh is doing over there. Let's take a closer look. <laughs> I was messing around with multiple cameras. Figured we'd uh, try and put up some pictures. I, I don't know if uh, Tony was controlling the cameras over there. Or whatnot, but I was uh, trying to show. I was looking up. I didn't even know Timken made axles back in the day. I thought so Timken was, kind of, was something relatively new. I had no idea it went back that far. I mean, uh, yeah, Tim and Tim right. and Ken must be dead by now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tim's Ken, uh, they're still kicking. No, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, these these the, uh, all these old ads from you know the '40s and '50s of you know Timken axles and stuff like that. Really cool nostalgia, guys. You want to uh, take a, a little blast from the past. You know, just type in some of that stuff, Timken Axle, and, and check out that, that 65 Jeep pickup. Uh, a lot of cool images on that. And there's still some pristine ones uh, around on the road, uh, but uh, definitely some eye candy, guys. Uh, you want to uh, well, kill some time, and uh, you know, you've already uh, looked at all of our YouTube videos, and uh, you're all <laughs> caught up with the podcast. Well, yeah, do some Google searching for some old Jeep stuff. Hey, Josh, what's going on? Yeah, I'm just sitting here by the fire waiting for you to show up and talk about that fancy new engine that you uh, put in your Jeep here recently. Uh, we all know that uh, you were doing a motor swap here, and uh, you were trying to get it done in one single weekend. Did that happen? Well, that was the uh, the one that's in there now that's dead. We we were trying to do that in one day. and oh, wow. uh, And we accomplished that, but it didn't run too well because uh, we had some uh, mismatched uh, um, hydraulic lifters. They weren't all the same size. Some were a little shorter and longer than others. So 
had to leave it there and matt had to pull the uh the cam and uh, we had to order some more lifters actually more lifters another cam and then he had to do a bunch of extra work to get it going so now we fast forward about uh, two years and uh, i'm driving along home uh kicking it down into passing gear coming off of the flyover from uh, one highway to the other and it stops giving me any power and oh. I give it a little pedal and it goes boom and there's a huge plume of white smoke coming 